Welcome to another Godcast from Whosoever, an online magazine for gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender Christians. I'm Candace Shalou, the founder and editor of Whosoever. Thank you for joining us. Coming up on this Godcast, we'll focus on so-called ex-gay ministries and talk with two men who are using two very different approaches to fight these ministries. Actor and writer Peterson Toscano uses humor and his years of experience in a variety of ex-gay ministries as the basis of his stage shows to challenge the veracity of ex-gay claims. Wayne Besson has worked to be a thorn in the side of ex-gay ministries for years and recently launched a new website called Truth Wins Out to counter ex-gay groups and expose them as frauds. Also in this Godcast, we'll take a meditation moment to help us center ourselves on God, and we'll also enjoy some holy humor. But first, let's turn to Peterson Toscano. He's a professional actor from New York who spent 17 years trying several forms of reparative therapies to overcome his homosexuality. After failing to pray away the gay, Peterson used his experiences to create a one-man show called Doing Time in the Homo Nomo Halfway House, detailing the sometimes bizarre treatments he underwent in the ex-gay movement. I asked Peterson to talk a bit about his background and how he became involved with the ex-gay movement. I uh, grew up in New York State in the Catskills, right outside of New York City. And I didn't grow up in a conservative home at all. I grew up in a Catholic home, fairly liberal. But I grew up at a time when gay people were maligned often in the press and in the media. I remember when I was a, a small kid reading Time magazine and Anita Bryant saying horrible things about gay people and how it stung me because I knew, knew her as the orange juice lady. Mm-hmm. She was so nice. <laughs> she had been Miss America or something. And I'm thinking, she's saying bad stuff about me. And um, and I remember, too, when, um, do you remember the Jonestown massacre? Oh, yeah. And what an awful person he was. And they made a made-for-TV movie about him. And I'm watching it with my parents. And there's this one crazy scene where he's helping a guy detox from being a drug addict. Mm-hmm. And he's helping him. And then all of a sudden he crawls into bed with the guy and he leans in to give him a passionate kiss. But it cuts to commercial. And I'm, think, and I'm sitting there and all these emotions are going through my mind. There's, you know, for one, it's just like, wow. I just saw something that resonated deeply with me, with who I feel I am. Mm-hmm. But this guy's a mass murderer. Right, but the context was off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like, I don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with all of that negative stuff about being gay. And, of course, in the Catholic Church, anything about sex at all yeah. to us as kids always seemed like it was taboo. So I, I grew up with a very, very negative sense of what it was to be queer. But you always recognized that part of yourself. Yeah, I mean, ever since I was real young, I knew I was different, and it didn't take me too long to identify what it was. So I became a born-again Christian in my teens. It kind of happened between 15 and 17, where I gave my life to Christ, and then I got kind of confused about that and, and got very involved with the Catholic Church. But ultimately, at age 17, I started attending a... Bible-believing, independent, fundamentalist church near my home, and uh, really got very involved in the church, and in a way, that became my new identity. It was like, okay, I don't ever want to be gay, because it's bad, Mm -hmm. and I never was in the gay lifestyle, per se, that I identified as being gay, so I said, okay, well, I'm going to have this identity, this, in a way, white, Anglo-Saxon, straight Protestant male identity that mm. I so hungered for for some so many odd reasons. 
and got very involved um, and very much loved the church and the people and particularly loved my times with the Lord in prayer and Bible study. It gave me such joy. But it also was, um, you know, the tools by which I was taught to overcome my same-sex attractions. And that, in essence, began my 17-year journey attempting to become a um, holy man of God, which meant a man that was freed of homosexuality. And that journey took me to all sorts of places. Most of it was in New York City, mm-hmm. actually, ex-gay programs, ministers, ministries, exorcisms. Wow. Um, but then it took me elsewhere. I, I received uh, ex-gay therapy in England, in South America, and for two years at the Love and, Love and Action Residential Ex-Gay Program in Memphis, Tennessee. And that was my last stop on the ex-gay underground railroad. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that, exorcisms and that sort of thing. What, what did these ex-gay ministries put you through? And more importantly, why didn't it take? Well, you know... It sounds like you were dedicated. I was so dedicated. <laughs> really, you know, I, I, you know, the commitment level, I look back and I'm like, gee, I wish I was that committed to, like, exercise <laughs> or my writing or anything else. It just all went into that. But, you know, they're, they're a mixed bag. I mean, they're all different types of ex-gay experiences that people have. Some are in... Exodus programs, Exodus being the large umbrella organization that oversees over 100 ministries here in the U.S. and and some overseas as well. Mm -hmm. But there's all sorts of stuff that happens under the radar. You know, you have ministers trying to sort out gay youth and and parishioners. Uh, And so depending on the type of church will depend on the sort of ministry you get. Mm. So the first church I went to was very Bible-based, so a lot of the therapy I got had to do with Bible memorization, where I would, you know, memorize hundreds of verses and, you know, even whole chapters and books of the Bible, Hmm. thinking that, you know, you need to replace that which is bad and evil with that which is good. And in these churches, they elevate the Word of God above pretty much everything, even God himself at times. So um, then you move on to different types of churches, though, and you get different sort of experiences. So more evangelical churches, there might be some more counseling elements involved, where it's the word, but it's also some psychology or pseudo-psychology brought into it. Then if you get into charismatic Pentecostal circles, which I did, for sure, that's when they think, oh, this is a spiritual problem. You are possessed of an evil spirit or oppressed of an evil spirit, so we need to have a deliverance. And uh, I've had three different attempts at that from three different people. So why didn't it take? Well, it didn't take because I was working on the wrong issue. You know, it's like the woman who had the issue of blood that it talks about in the Gospels. This woman, she had this bleeding problem, and it's so delicate how they put it in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was vaginal bleeding. Yeah. Uh, but, they didn't, but they didn't talk about it that way. But she had a bigger problem that was distracting her, and that was that she lived in a society that had a problem with women, particularly women who were bleeding, mm-hmm. but women in general. So... Here she was trying to get help from a real physical ailment, but at the whole time she had all this societal pressure calling her unclean, keeping her from any intimate relationships with others for fear that she would make them unclean. And this went on for 12 years. And the problem was she, you know, she was so overwhelmed with the problem that society was heaping on her, with the uncleanness and the shame and the pain from that, that, um, you know, that overshadowed her real problems. 
Right. You know, and as human beings, we have real problems. I mean, it could be depression, it could be addiction issues, it could be unresolved abuse issues. And a lot of people with these issues get caught up in the ex-gay movement. But the, the hard thing is we're struggling with issues of addiction or whatever, but more importantly, we're in a society that, that has problems with homosexuality. So we never get clarity, clarity on what our real issues are and get caught up trying to fix the wrong thing, something that's unfixable. But you've turned your uh, experiences around into a more creative endeavor, though, right? I woke up one day thinking, you know, wow, this is a fairly unique experience after I had been, it, been through it all. To me, it was very normal. I mean, I've done it for 17 years. Sure. But then I started speaking to people on the outside and telling them about it, and they like, this shocked look all the time. Like, this really happens? Like, uh, yeah, like every day. <laughs> and to me, it was so normal that I didn't see how abnormal it was. Yeah. And then I said, I need to write about this. And initially, I attempted to write a book, uh, and I got, but I got stalled on it. And then someone suggested, since I have a theater background, that I try doing a theater piece which was going to be just a series of monologues at first with just me telling stories. Mm. It was so morbid, depressing. <laughs> I said, this is so unfair to do to me or to anybody. And then I realized, though, it wasn't just my story either. It's my father's story, my sister's story. All kinds of people are impacted by this. So that's when I decided to do a multi-character comedy so I can bring in all of these voices and uh, get, get other people involved in telling the story as well. Right. So as a character actor, I can do that, and in the show I morph into six different characters playing up to two or three at a time in the show. And uh, so you get to see how does this impact a parent? How does it impact a man who's married with children or a young person in this program? And so I play a bunch of folks, including a minister. Do you have others that, you're, that you uh, have done previously and are, and are working on? Tell us about those. Yeah, my first play I wrote is called Footprints, an inspirational comedy, which is a comic meditation on the poem Footprints in the Sand. Mm -hmm. And I've done that a lot at many conservative churches. That was until they found out that I was gay. Suddenly, <laughs> my play is no longer good. <laughs> and then my newest piece is called The Re-Education of George W. Bush. But actually, the piece isn't about Bush at all, uh -huh. because Bush ultimately isn't the problem, but it's the American public, because by, by our lifestyle, we demand to have a certain type of president one who will go to war for us, one who, who will oppress other people, mm -hmm. um, one who will encourage unfairness uh, and inequality in the world in order for us to have the lifestyles that we demand. And that if we want real change, it's not going to be a regime change because, in essence, we're just going to get a different version of the same thing, which mm -hmm. we've had for years, regardless mm -hmm. of what party. But we need to have real lifestyle changes uh, so that our demands on our government are different. Okay. So the play is a comedy, and, and it looks at a variety of issues through lessons for George W. Bush, but actually it's lessons for progressive, progressive li liberals who think that by bitching and complaining, they've actually done something to change the system. <laughs> Have you had any challenges from the ex-gay ministries who don't like what you're doing? No, I actually surprisingly have not. Hmm. And I think it's because I use comedy in part. And I'm a Quaker now. I've become a Quaker. And I've tried very hard 
to do my show in a way that it's nonviolent, mm-hmm. that I'm not attacking anyone. I'm just telling what happened as I saw it. But I'm not intentionally going out ripping people apart. And I think that's very important because, in, in a way, the leaders of these programs are victims of them as well. Often they are graduates of these programs. Mm-hmm. They've compelled because of their church experiences to do this to themselves. And they're existing in a way that they can figure is the best way for them in the world that they've created. And the real bad guy are the, is the church, the conservative church that insists that gay people are diseased, are abominations, and must change in order to be part of the kingdom of God. The ex-gay ministries is a symptom of that bigger problem. For more information about Peterson and to see a schedule of his performances, go to his website, www.homonomo.com. That's H-O-M-O-N-O-M-O, homonomo.com. Wayne Besson may be best known for taking the damning photograph of Focus on the Family's ex-gay poster boy John Polk in a gay bar. That photo led to Polk's downfall as a leader in the ex-gay movement. Besson is also the author of Anything But Straight, unmasking the scandals and lies behind the ex-gay myth. Besson has taken his quest at unmasking the ex-gay fraud further by setting up a new website and organization called Truth Wins Out. I asked Wayne how this website and organization got started. I've been following the ex-gay ministries for years. wrote a book that took me about five years to do this, so I have a lot of experience in this area. And I was sort of getting out of it a little bit, uh, and then all of a sudden the ex-gay ministries have relaunched in a major way, in a very offensive way, for example, they're lobbying Congress. They're taking out full-page ads saying that we shouldn't pass hate crimes legislation because they've changed, or we shouldn't, as the GLBT community, be able to get married because that might stop them from meeting their wives or husbands. And it was just outrageous. And then uh, Alan Chambers, the head of Exodus International, he went to the White House to lobby against the federal marriage and, and then stood right by President Bush. And that was too far. That had pushed me over the edge, and I said, there has to be something. We need to stop this because it's destructive, and it's a hoax. And uh, I decided to launch Truth Wins Out because there's just such a mountain of right-wing propaganda. It's a dump truck after dump truck of, of lies. And the strategy is simple. If they just dump enough lies, we can't respond to all of them. And I think Truth Wins Out is an attempt to, to respond to as many of these as we can and get the truth out, set the record straight. Now, you say that the ex-gay ministry began on lies. Tell us the lies that, that launched this, this beast. <laughs> In 1973, the first modern ex-gay ministry, Love Inception, was founded by John Evans, the gay man who left his partner found this organization, and his the co-partner was Ken Philpott. And Ken Philpott was heterosexual and irreverent. He wrote a book called The Third Sex, which featured six people who had supposedly prayed away the gay. But it turns out none of these people had prayed away the gay, and they were all as gay as the day they walked in the door. Eventually they had to threaten a lawsuit against Mr. Philpott to take this book off the market. But by this time, the damage was already done. 
because this book had gone around the country, and as a result of these lies contained in this tome, Little X Gay Ministries popped up all over the country, which eventually became Exodus International. From day one, the Exodus International X Gay Ministries has been based upon false foundation. And I think, as a result, you can see the follies and failures and disasters that have come because of this. When you base something upon fraud, you're only going to get fraudulent results. And unfortunately, I mean, sadly, this has really just hurt so many people, though, who get sucked into this because they want to be accepted, they want to be loved, they want to go to heaven. They're told they're going to go to hell if they don't change. Yeah, that was that was my next question of, you know, the, the, even though it started on a lie, of course, nobody seems to know that, you know, the, the, the offer sounds so good that that's why people seem attracted to it. The X Game Ministries and Repair to Therapy operate this way. They, they, they have a dual uh, propaganda. The first one is to glamorize heterosexuality and, and marriage, and almost to the point of idolatry. That heterosexuals are always happy, that marriage is always incredible and wonderful, and that uh, the, only, the only way to be happy is to really do a, a carbon copy of Leave it to Beaver in life. And if you don't accomplish this, you're going to be miserable. The other prong is to demonize homosexuality. So while they're uplifting heterosexuality to unreasonable standards that heterosexuals laugh at, they demonize what it is to be gay. And that's a big problem I have with these ministries. It's one thing if you want to say, this is my belief, but that does not give anybody the right to lie about gay life, to say if you come out of the closet, you're going to die of AIDS. If you're a lesbian, you're going to end up having domestic violence with your partner. If you're a gay man, you're never going to have a relationship over a few months, and it's definitely going to lead to a breakup. This mm-hmm. is really uh, psychological attacks on people who want to come out of the closet. Indeed, they rely on such chicanery to, to convince people to go to these ministries. Without lies, without deceit, there is no ex-gay ministry. And that, that's, you know, I, I remember the ex-gays said, uh, Cy Rogers comes to mind, that the best thing that ever happened to these groups was AIDS, because... Mm-hmm. It was sort of the ultimate ex-gay ministry to, to, so you wouldn't get infected, you change. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe these groups would have been around if it weren't great. I think they would have fallen on their own failures that took place in the 70s with, with the, you know, sort of one leader after another, another dropping out or, or uh, coming out of the closet. Right. So what it's is all fear tactics? Oh, of course. Well, and, and there's money in it. You know, if they yeah, weren't... there if, is money. Yeah. If they weren't making money... <laughs> <laughs> the, at any of these events you go to, Exodus, Focus on the Family, uh, Center for Reclaiming America for Christ, what you see are an absolute avalanche of products. Everybody's got a tape, they've got a video, a CD. Mm-hmm. They almost fall from the sky. There's clearly being money made in this endeavor. People are pushing their products, and they're professional ex-gays, or some would call them professional heterosexuals. Most of the people who are heavily involved don't have real jobs. They're either on the payroll of an ex-gay ministry, as a ministry leader, or they work for a local lobbying group like Focus on the Family or Family Research Council. Um, it really is a money-making endeavor. In fact, uh, it's been called the ex-gay industry because of the sort of capitalistic underpinnings. And I mean it not in a positive way, but in a negative way, that money drives the message. As long as they're making money, they're going to be here. And as long as they're getting political results. 
beyond the money, it has to, there, there is an ideology at the bottom of this, and it's a very scary one. The people driving this train are on the verge of reconstructionism, meaning they want a theocracy in America. They want to replace the Constitution with the Old Testament. You look at uh, James Kennedy from Coral Ridge Ministries has, has been long been behind this. And all the people, such as Chuck Colson and Dobson, and many of the others who, uh, who have been at the forefront of saying there is no separation of church and state are the ones pushing this. And to accomplish this theocracy, they need to convince Americans that homosexuality is a casual choice. They look at polls and they see when Americans believe that people simply snap their fingers and choose to be gay, uh, when people think that happens, they're very anti-gay. They vote against gay rights. However, when people believe homosexuality is inborn, it's who you are, it's part of your personality, your in innermost self, they're very pro-gay and believe in even marriage or civil unions. So the right looks at these polls and they say, wow, if we're going to succeed with our larger vision of a theocracy, and if we're going to succeed in persecuting gay people, we need to trick Americans and convince them that homosexuality is just a casual choice. How do they do that? Well, they enter the ex-gay ministries. What a perfect way, what a perfect way to kind of convince Americans and accomplish their larger mission. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I see you've gotten some reaction to the site. Yes, I, I am not surprised at all that the first people to react, and very harshly were focused on the family and concerned women for America. They understand that more than any group in America that this organization, Truth Went Out, is a direct threat to their operations. With absolutely no support, I photographed the leader of Love Went Out, John Falk in a gay bar in Washington. Mm -hmm. I uncovered Michael Johnston from Jerry Falwell's personal ex-gay, who also had a video with the American Family Association and worked with Coral Ridge Ministries, picking up men on the Internet and having unsafe sex even though he was HIV positive. Um, sadly, the American Family Association still sells his video today. Um, I brought Wade Richards uh, with his help, of course, out of the closet after a radio show and uh, discovered that Richard Cohen was kicked out of the American Counseling Association. That's without an organization. They understand, and if I'm focusing on this full-time, as well as with the help of other people around this country who are experts in their field in psychology and religion and research, if we're actually focusing on this with a laser-like dedication, mm -hmm. that it's going to be really bad news for what they're doing, and we're going to expose this as a hoax. So what are some of your plans to expose the fraud? Well, it's multi-pronged. I think you have to divide it both into a political realm and also a personal realm. In the political realm, we're going to follow each and every lie that we can and combat it uh, on the Internet and in the media. Uh, but we're also, we're also going to um, find these ex-gays where they're at, and that's in gay bars often. And if we get credible tips, we're going to expose this fraud. We're going to be there to, to follow up on this. Um, we're also going to organize ex-ex-gays from across this country. There, for every person who claims to be ex-gay, there were, there were so many, the vast, vast majority, who were, went through these ministries and say it ruined their life. Uh, we're going to organize these folks and have them stand up to this hoax. We're also going to uh, put together in the next year a legal strategy. We're going to get the top minds in our community and without who, who are tired of hearing people committing suicide. They're tired of the, the abuse that takes place in these, both sexually and mentally. And we're going to say, well, what can we do about it? There's just a lot of lawsuits in the making here. 
and nobody's just really strategized to, to find test cases to show what's wrong with these groups. And of course, once you go to court, you get all the, the documents and that they're concealing about their failures, you know, discovery and subpoena people, and, and all of a sudden, all the lies are going to come to light. You know, I'm really looking forward to that. That's some of the political. You know, that's some of the political things we're going to do, and also a media campaign as we raise the money to to. We can never counter focus on the family dollar for dollar. Heck, they've got their own zip code. They're so mm -hmm. powerful. Yeah. But I don't. I don't think you need a whole lot of light to counter a lot of darkness. Um, and that's the way we're going to approach it. However, the, the, those are some of the more aggressive political aspects, but there's also the human aspect. I mean, we're going to put together a list of affirming therapists across this country. We're going to train psychological experts to be able to speak out on this issue. Um, and we're also going to provide religious voices from, from many different angles, because we're not going to endorse a particular religion, but we're going to have gay evangelicals and gay MCC and heterosexuals with you know, gay affirming churches out there and uh, some synagogues. We're going to have them. We're going to say, what would you say to somebody thinking of entering the ex-gay ministry? What about the fact that they say it's a sin? And we're going to address it from a religious uh, viewpoint as well. So we're, we're going to meet people where they're at with this, help them come out of the closet when we can, and hopefully save some lives. And if not that, at least get people to a point where they can live happy, openly gay and lesbian lives, uh, free of that type of stress and self-loathing and, and ultimately self-hatred that comes from trying to change who you are. So how can people who visit the website uh, and learn more about you, how can they help you out? There's, there's a variety of ways they can help us out. They can either help us out. First and foremost, we need funding so they can help out and make a contribution uh, at truthwinsout.org. We, we welcome that. We're just beginning, uh, and you know we need all the help. But we can also use people's skills. For example, people who have been through these ministries were soliciting stories. Um, from people, so we can we can share this experience with those still struggling, and also with the media, so they can see what's going on. To learn more about Truth Wins Out and how you can support Besson's efforts, go to the website at truthwinsout.org. In 2 Corinthians 12:7, Paul tells the church in Corinth, To keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, to keep me from exalting myself. This passage has always puzzled me. Paul never says what his thorn in the flesh is, but it seems serious. It also seems necessary since it's something that keeps Paul humble and focused on his mission. Conservative Christian author John MacArthur writes about this passage in his book, The Pillars of Christian Character. He says, The Lord is willing, as he often is, to use whatever extremity necessary to humble one of his servants, even if it meant sending a messenger from Satan to plague Paul, allowing divisions in the Corinthian church to challenge him, or permitting his enemies at Corinth to directly test him by maligning his character. To God, it is crucial that believers understand and embrace the attitude of humility. 
You know, I begin to understand this passage a little bit when I encounter the thorn in the side of the gay community, these so-called ex-gay ministries. You know, they take out ads in publications. They promise hope and healing for gays and lesbians. They hold conferences proclaiming that love wins out when gays and lesbians turn their backs on their God-given sexuality. I think these ministries are our messenger from Satan, bent on maligning the characters of gays and lesbians. Ex-gay organizations say we must change to enter God's kingdom. They tell the world that our lives are full of immorality simply because of our sexual orientation. They deny the living proof of happy, satisfied, and spiritually full gay and lesbian lives. The battle is one that should teach us a lesson. A lesson in humility. We cannot fight the ex-gay movement by exalting ourselves. Instead, we must exalt the message of Christ that whosoever believes is saved. The attempts by the ex-gay movement to squash our spirits must be met with humility, with grace, and above all, with love. Let us continue to work to throw open the gates of heaven to all of God's children. Let us work to remove the stumbling blocks that ex-gay ministries place before our gay, lesbian, bisexual, and transgender brothers and sisters. Let us continue to spread the good news gladly with love and humility. Let us continue to remember that we do not work for our glory, but for the glory of God. Let us meditate on those words now. And now it's time for a little holy humor. These are the top 10 things that would be different if the 12 apostles had been gay men. Number 10, the Last Supper would have been a brunch. Number 9, replace the Beatitudes with fabulous are they. Number 8, the triumphal entry just screams for a drag number. Number 7, the water at the wedding feast of Cana would have turned into dry martinis with just a splash of curacao for color. Number 6, the temple would not have been cleansed of money changers, just redecorated. Number five, Mary's hair would have been flawless. Number four, the Gospels would be Matthew, Mark, Luke, and Bruce. Number three, priests would get married. Well, wait a minute. Never mind on that one. Number two, Jesus would never wear white after Labor Day. And number one, the Sermon on the Mount would be a musical. Thank you so much for joining us for Whosoever Magazine's Godcast. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can tell us your thoughts, comments, or suggestions by writing to us. Our email address is godcast at whosoever.org. Or you can leave comments at our blog at whosoeverpods.blogspot.com. The theme music for our program has been graciously provided by Adam Kearley. Other music included cuts from Aaron Starks, Paul Berger, Cameron and Swan, and Heavy Mellow, all available from magnatune.com. 
If you'd like to join the Whosoever community, we have many online groups that you can join for fun and support. You can find Whosoeverins in your area when you join our Rainbow Fish groups. To find out more, go to whosoever.org slash rainbowfish. If you're enjoying our podcast, we hope you'll consider making a monetary donation to our ministry. It takes money to produce and broadcast this program and, of course, to keep our ministry on the web where we have been a valuable resource to our community for a decade. You can donate by credit card by going to our website at whosoever.org slash donate. Or you may send checks to Whosoever Ministries Incorporated, Post Office Box 11751, Columbia, South Carolina, 29211. Remember, Whosoever is a 501c3 nonprofit, which means all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you so much for joining us for this Godcast, and may God bless you richly until we meet again.